When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Taking you behind the curtain, it's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. We've all been a little down, no matter who we are. Everyone's got some kind of issue. This pandemic is lasting so long. And then my daughter and I took ourselves to see Mrs. Doubtfire, the new musical comedy at the Sondheim Theater. And I have to tell you, we laughed and we mm. laughed and we had such a good time. It was such a relief. And then my producer went to see it last minute. And she works all day from early in the morning, like everyone here. Hmm. And, you know, got out late, had to go home, and had such a good time. It made her so happy. It was just hmm. letting yourself sit there. And Rob McClure, who is the lead, one of the leads, and you've seen him in so many major shows, in um, Beetlejuice, in Something Rotten, and more and more. You are so... I have Rob with me as a guest today. And Rob McClure, you were so good in this show. You're so good in all the shows, but it was mm. unbelievable to watch you move like you did. And are you having fun Oh, my gosh. First of all, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled that it was able to be a, a tonic for you as it is being found to be for many. Um, but thanks, Joan. Yeah, I'm having the time of my life. It's um, It's been a long time coming. You know, we, we got we were lucky enough to do three previews um, 19 months ago in March of 2020. And uh, and then COVID hit and we had to put the show on a shelf for 19 months. And it's so refreshing to be back. And you know, 19 months ago, we set out to to make a show about the lengths to which you'd go to be with those you love. And we're finding that that message is resonating more now than ever in a way that people kind of couldn't imagine when we set out. Right, because um, the character that Rob plays is a married guy, an mm -hmm. actor, of course, like many actors, a struggling mm -hmm. actor. Yes, And yes. he, like lives out his acting fantasies by being a million things to his kids who are perfectly yeah. enchanted by dad. Your mm. wife in the play is disenchanted. She's had enough. So you, she decides she needs a divorce. You have to leave. And I'm not going to tell a whole story, but mm -hmm. you ended up in disguise as a woman applying for a nanny job so that mm -hmm. you can be with your kids. Yeah. And I don't think, should we tell a little more than that or, or that's, I, I, I think, uh, I, that was, uh, that was pretty darn good. <laughs> well done. Yeah. I mean, this is about a dad who will do anything to be with his kids and, and yeah, the, the musical, um, you know, focuses on, uh, you know, uh, that he's not, you know, he might be a good friend and buddy to his kids, but he's not necessarily the best husband material at the beginning of the right. play. And, 
And over the course of this sort of crazy charade, um, they all learn a whole lot about what it means to be a good parent um, and a good partner. And, um, you know, when the when the film came out in 93 and now the musical, um, it was one of the few stories for children that didn't uh, establish that the happy ending has to be the parents getting back together. Because up until then, that was sort of the only thing around, you know, parent trap and things like that, where the kids conspired to get mom and dad to fall back in love. And Mrs. Doubtfire was kind of the first thing to come along and say, you know what, maybe you're all going to be better for for um, for the parents being divorced. And then we and then rather than finding ways to make them stay together, maybe it's better to redefine family. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what I think the musical has taken and expanded really beautifully. Right. And, you know, the night I was there, there was a family across the aisle with six kids, including mm. a three year old. You know, oh, I thought wow. that was pretty surprising. Yeah, but oh yeah. At intermission, I went up to them and I said, I'm just curious. Tell me, kids, what do you think? And the kids had such a good time. You know, oh. they loved all the pratfalls and all the sight yes, gags. Of course. Yeah. I mean, and the truth is, that's what we love too. We were in the mood for that. Yeah, and yeah. This is, to me, this is the right time. I'm talking to Rob McClure, who's starring in, he is Mrs. Doubtfire, among hmm. other things, in this play. So, you've had an interesting career, a little bit different from a lot of actors, because you started in your high school, where mm-hmm. you had near you the Paper Mill Playhouse, one of our favorite theater sources and that really changed your life for sure i I will often say that paper mill playhouse changed my life and they did Uh, their education director a woman named susan spidell uh created a program along with somebody named mickey mcnanny damien a brilliant brilliant teacher and educator who we, we lost just a few years ago but her and Susie spidell created something called the rising star awards which is basically like the, the the New Jersey High School Tony Awards. And they scooped me up my senior year of high school, and I won that award, which got me a scholarship to their summer teaching conservatory, which was sort of my first formal training in performance and uh, changed my life. And um, it was a production there of a play called I'm Not Rappaport with Judd Hirsch and Ben Vereen that I was lucky enough to be a part of that then transferred to Broadway and gave me my Broadway debut in 2002. That was unbelievable because you weren't living the New York life as a starving actor, you know, working as a waiter. No, no, I was I was a teaching artist directing, you know, the the musical at my high school. school. (laughs) And yeah, and um, and I was actually, uh, you know, they. I, uh, I w- they cast me in the ensemble of Carousel. That was my first professional show in Paper Mill in 2000. Mm. And, um, and it changed my life. I got to share a dressing room with the late, great Eddie Bracken, who mm. taught me more about this industry than anybody I could possibly wow. imagine. And did you get an equity card with all that? I did. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. That was the beginning. And um, I, I just, I cherished it. You know, I was actually working in the box office after Carousel. I didn't want to leave the building. So I got a job in their box office. And when I'm not Rappaport came along, they asked me to understudy. And I said, well, mm. you know, it's a non, at the time it was non-union. I got my union card when I was in I'm not Rappaport. And I said, well, the non-union understudy salary, I'm making more working in the box office. Can right. I keep my box office job <laughs> and I'll understudy from the box office? If you need me to go on, say, call it. my phone extension, I'll come back. <laughs> and they let That's... me. So I was understudying from the box office. 
And then we got word that that show was transferring to Broadway, and they, they let yeah, me out of the are. box office, thankfully. And there I was. Unbelievable. And then you were yeah. in um, Avenue Q. Yes, yeah, for years, both on Broadway and on tour, changed my life. That was, uh, And that was the first time I was able to collaborate with Kevin McCullum, the great producer, who right. then I got to work with in Something Rotten and now Mrs. Doubtfire. Right, and you did Chaplin. I mean, it, it's amazing because, you know, a lot of people, I'm sure, said to you, why do you want to uh, work at the high school and teach directing or teach the kids? Why don't you just plow into the New York theater scene? But yeah. you resisted, and it was the best thing that could have happened. Absolutely. I wasn't ready. You know, I, I, I don't think I was good enough. I think I enjoyed it, and I had fun. But I think the experience of directing the musical at my old high school for four years made me such a better actor because it made me a better collaborator. I got a larger sense of what it takes to put on a show. You know, when the show, when the school gives you a thousand bucks to put on a musical with 35 kids and you're trying to get performances out of these kids, you're, it forces you to sort of question your own process in, in an ability to try and explain to them what it is you want to get out of them. And it made me better, you know, hanging upside down from the ceiling of my high school auditorium trying to wire a moving light into an antiquated electrical grid from the 1930s. Oh, my gosh. You, you, you learn a lot, exactly. you know, and um, it makes you a better actor because you have a sense of the larger picture. So now when I work on Broadway and I, I can name, you know, what what footlighting instrument we're using while Phil Rosenberg is, is uh, doing our, our lights, uh-huh. uh, you, you become a better collaborator. Which is true. How did you guys deal with the pandemic? Like every act of the pain of seeing, you know, your another opportunity, a big one on Broadway is suddenly brought to its knees. Yeah, I mean, we we were all hit with a with a large dose of perspective right we were certainly not the only ones struggling and no, uh, and and, and uh but we we um you know it, it was it was all about scraping by but you know theater people are scrappy you know we sign up for an unpredictable life but my gosh we didn't couldn't have expected this but we were um we were lucky in that a lot of us turned to you know, other forms of work, a lot of things, you know, the invention of Zoom certainly helped us out. A lot of us could do sort of Zoom readings or Zoom teaching or things like that. And, um, and, uh, but, you know, as, as grateful as I am for those innovations and for all of the art that was able to be created online and digitally and otherwise, um, it is not theater. It will never be theater because as you experienced this week when you came to the show, there's something about the shared humanity of being in the room together, that exchange of live energy, which is the reason we all go and participate and work in the theater is that electricity, that energy exchange. Um, And, you know, laughter, a room full of laughter is is quite literally healing. It really is an amazing thing. And um, we're feeling it now more than ever. Right. And physically, though, Mrs. Doubtfire is not an easy show on you. No. I mean, no. it's, you the know, you have done. to be an acrobat to really. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was yeah. this something you were always good at? You know, I was always uh, I always loved, uh, you know, sports and I, I played baseball and basketball in high school. I don't know that I was particularly good at it, but my my athleticism lent itself to to playing pretend. I was always playful. You know, I was always running uh-huh. around with my friends and playing Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles and, right. and running around. And imitating. So I was always a, 
yeah, I was always a bit of a clown. You know, the first performance I ever did in my life was impressions in my fourth grade talent show. So I've always been a mimic, um, but I, I never knew that <laughs> 30, 30 years later I, I'd be cashing in on those, uh, those investments in that skill. Um, but uh, yeah, who could have predicted? Huh? And one of the people I used to mimic as a child was, of course, Robin Williams, right. um, because he was the, the mimic of all mimics, you know. Um, so between between having his influence and then getting to play Charlie Chaplin really prepared That's me for this role. Thing. Yeah, because when, when you study physical comedy and physical storytelling in the way that that show forced me to, it changes your DNA as a performer and really prepared me for this sort of physical storytelling when you're inhabiting more than one self on the stage. Right, and so different from when you're doing cabaret and things like that. I know you've been at Feinstein's and you do this, which is very rewarding and much more intimate, but totally different experience. Totally different, a totally different set of skills. Yeah, it takes a different... uh, Different muscle group, you know, and uh, and and Mr. Delphire specifically, just getting the the you know the the physical ability to maneuver that costume, you know, to maneuver those prosthetics yeah, that so I'm wearing hard. on my face and the and the bodysuit. So to be able to to you know, I, I likened Chaplin to learning how to speak fluently a physical vocabulary, an unspoken vocabulary, and Mrs. Delphire certainly has her own set of physical behaviors and things that that uh you know getting all of those pieces on is not only an obstacle but then it starts to feel like an an assist it starts to feel like part of her being um so i i love costumes because they tend to sort of be the last ingredient in finding out exactly how that person moves right and they certainly did a great job and because that's a major deal from the hair and everything on yeah, we, we, we partnered um, with this amazing prosthetic company, and we had to do a lot of trial and error because, you know, and, and that's one of the things that makes the show really thrilling is that in the movie, when Robin Williams runs in the other room and comes back as Mrs. Dalfire 18 seconds later, we all subconsciously know that they yelled cut and he went in a trailer for five hours. Exactly. If, in the show, if I've got 18 seconds, I've got 18 seconds, and the audience knows I've got 18 seconds, so the stakes feel very high. Um, and the fact that the this team and my team of dressers and the hair and makeup people have pulled this off in real time is a, a pretty extraordinary achievement. No, it is, and the audience loves it. And yeah, they, yeah. And it, and it does happen in those few seconds. So when you're immersed in a role like this, you don't start looking at other things, at TV or anything else. This is no. It. This, is, this is, I don't have any extra brain cells. I have the show, and I've got a three-year-old at home, so my right. brain is. <laughs> and you don't live in Manhattan, right? You don't. You don't have well, to tell where you live, but you're commuting. Yeah, well, we I, I uh, we have a house in Philadelphia where we're usually uh, based full time. Um, we are up here at least until I get my feet underneath me. For, <laughs> for the, no, it's too so hard. I don't have to lose that. Yeah, too yeah, hard yeah. So to we go commute. we go home we go home on the days off. But uh, I actually really enjoy that commute when I'm not stretched so thin. Right. No, now it's yeah. too hard. And you're married to an actress. Yes. Yeah, Maggie Lakis, who uh, who we met doing a production of Greece. We were duty and Frenchie in Greece in 2005, mm. and uh, have been together ever since. It's great. And you're. Do you have time to enjoy your baby? Or it... yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's so funny. The the um, 
<laughs> you know, Daniel Hillard and Mrs. Doubtfire is sort of this crazy man-child, a bit of a Peter Pan, you right. know, who won't grow up. And uh, I found myself at rehearsal, you know, playing with my uh, my stage kids and, 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 you know, improvising all kinds of fun games. And some of them ended up in the show, some of them didn't. And, and then I would get home absolutely exhausted. Mm. And I would open the door. And then my real three-year-old would go, Dad, let's play pirate. And what am I going to say? <laughs> no to my real child, but yes to my fake children. So I found myself, you know, pretending oh, no. to 21 outer hours out of the day. <laughs> oh, no. Did she ever see her daddy as Mrs. Doubtfire? Not yet. I Not yet. You know, it may I, be um, too much. Once, well, once the covid protocols light lighten up at the theater and I can bring her in and show her the mask and show her the hair and she right. has the concept of the pretend. I would love to, to sort of show her the make believe of it all. But until I can get her in there and so that she can see exactly what it is and how it works. Right. Or get her vaccinated. She's too young right now. She's too young right now. Exactly right. So it's a hard thing. And what I'm fascinated by, too, is the line for all these people going to theater despite COVID and despite everything, even though the theaters, God bless them, are strict and doing a very good job on this. Yes, they are. And, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing. You know, my our producer says, um, this is an art of inconvenience. For the last 19 months, we've tried to find ways to bring art into your room, into your bedroom, you know, into your living room, uh-huh. into your laptop, on your iPad, even your phone. But now we're asking you to get a babysitter. We're asking you to spend the money. Right. We're asking Talk you to get tested. Car. We're asking you to get vaccinated. We're asking you to come in. We're asking you to wear a mask. So the people who are making the effort to show up, we know really want to be there. And so do we. And it, it's just proof as to how much people need it, that they're, that this isn't, it's, it is inconvenient. But we promise that for the people who make the effort, the reward is pretty monumental. And, we're, and it's, a, it's a mutual investment of us putting in the work and showing up and putting on these shows. Right. And the people putting in the work to make themselves available and to come see exactly. it. And we couldn't appreciate it more. No, and you guys really went through, like so many actors, you had just started the new Mrs. Doubtfire. That's I right. think, what, three Three shows three, when Broadway shut down? Yeah, I'll never forget it. We were I was on stage rehearsing with Jen Gambatis and Jerry Zachs. And uh, our producer came in and sat everybody down and said, hey, leave everything right where it is and go home. They must have and, been uh, crying. It's, it was a death oh, in was, the family. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then we all go home for these 19 months. And what's astonishing is when we were finally let back in the theater, all of these Broadway theaters became these little time capsules of 5.30 on Thursday, March 12th, you know, um, with, you know, the notes I was receiving from Jerry that afternoon written sitting on my desk next to, uh, you know, a couple pairs of spring shorts that I had bought for my daughter that she'll never wear because she's already outgrown them. <laughs> yeah, <gosh. laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's these little time capsules. It was a really strange and bizarre thing, but we're so grateful that our producer held on and, uh, right. and and found a way to let us come back. Right, and let the audience enjoy it. Thank yeah. you so much, Rob. We loved your performance. Rob McClure. Thank you, Joan. Starring in Mrs. Doubtfire, the new musical comedy at the Sondheim Theater. Go see Rob and the cast. It will cheer you up, make you laugh, and we all need that. I look forward to talking to you again. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 